Welcome to the podcast of Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ Church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us, the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. On this podcast, you'll hear our pastor, Reverend Ashley Dargai, preach on how the expansive and generative love of God is seen through Jesus, the prophets, the early church, and the faith forebears, and how this love helps us care for the world more deeply and faithfully. Sometimes it's messy and tough, but it's good news, and it is for you. Our reading for today is from Luke 21, and it's on the back of your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees as soon as they sprout leaves. You can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap, for it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We begin a new series today, Less is More. In a season of bustle that screams of doorbusters, supply chain, and packed calendars, we are coming back to the bones of what Advent is for. Things like hope, peace, joy, love all as we go through the rhythm of preparing for Christ's arrival again. Advent begins our new church year. Ordinary time is a time of exhalation and rest, but holy season is the season where we breathe in the divine, filling our lungs with the spirit of the living Christ, making every cell in our body jump for joy. And Advent gives us a nice runway into that season. It prepares us for what it means for Christ to come into the world and turn it upside down. Just as John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus, so Advent is our way of clearing the paths in our own hearts, sweeping away the brush, wiping the sleep from our eyes, opening the curtains. And though Advent is a beginning, it always starts at the end. We always begin the new church year talking about the end of the world. It takes me by surprise every time. And we always begin the retelling of Jesus's birth story with his teaching before he was crucified. And I know we're ready to bust out the eggnog and jingle bells and just have a nice time, but Jesus is the buzzkill relative who corners you to talk about ozone layers 
and somehow ropes you into a justice-oriented protest before you can even finish your pie. Perhaps you have this relative in your family. Perhaps you are this relative. <laughs> we'll get to sweet baby Jesus soon enough. But for now, we have to deal with apocalyptic Jesus. We have to hear him out before we can move on to the farm animals and swaddling clothes. In our text today, we are at the final straw in the testimony of Luke about Jesus. Jesus has been talking about some really controversial things with his disciples in others' earshot. And the very religious people, the VRPs, we'll call them, tend to be the subject of his ire. Those that would confuse loyalties to God and loyalties to the state. Those for whom religious details are more important than caring for the poor and vulnerable. Those who would maintain the status quo at any cost. Those who would oppress in the name of God. Now, we want to be careful when talking about run-ins with the VRPs in the Gospels. The VRPs for Jesus happen to be Jewish. We know that anti-Semitism is never okay, right? Generalizations about other religions, never okay. But Jesus was Jewish when he was born, and he was Jewish when he died. Jesus was not a Christian. The first people of the church were not considered Christians until later. And the Gospels are often used as weapons against Jewish people now and Jewish people then. Martin Luther, our church, our Protestant church founder, read the New Testament in the 1500s and mistakenly equated the criticisms in the Gospels with the legalism and exploitation he saw in the medieval Catholic Church, which has contributed to a lot of anti-Semitic and anti-Jewish sentiment over the centuries. Thanks a lot, Martin. The issues of the medieval church were not the same as the issues Jesus is talking about here. Let the reader understand. It is irresponsible for us as readers to conflate the two. They're different. And also, what we can see as 21st century readers of the Gospels is that the criticism Jesus has for the VRPs, the very religious people in his world, can be translated in a way into our Western Christian context. We can see what he's getting at. Right? Very religious Christians are also known to confuse loyalties to God and loyalties to the state. Very religious Christians are also known to care more about religious details than caring for the poor and vulnerable. They maintain the status quo at any cost. They oppress in the name of God. I'm sure we don't know anyone like that. I'm sure we have never been someone like that. But I go to great lengths to draw a distinction between Jewish people and the VRPs Jesus is addressing, because as Christians, we came to over half of our scriptures very late into the game compared to our Jewish siblings. And we can only understand Jesus by having profound respect and humility toward our Jewish siblings and their practice of faith, including evaluating our own assumptions about who Jesus is talking to and what he's talking about. There are VRPs in a lot of faiths, especially ones that proclaim to know something about the beginning of the world and the end of it. And Luke has some choice words for the VRPs, we'll get to later on in Advent, that we don't want to apply to everyone in general from that time or that faith. 
And so, we arrive at the end, according to Jesus. And he says, there will be signs. Pay attention to them. Keep watch. Stay awake. The whole cosmic order will tremble. Terrors on land and sea, as foretold by the prophets, whom, Jesus points out earlier, were ignored or killed for saying stuff like this. And we know he will meet a similar fate. But Jesus is not telling his disciples about the end in order to call them to arms or prepare a bunker. He's not giving them a three-step prayer to heaven to escape from a world on fire. He's telling them to watch, to pay attention, to bear witness. And with this call to witness, Jesus adjusts focus, kind of like a camera, zooming in and out to find its subject. He points out outside of our world to the stars and moon. He points to the sea and the roaring waves. He points to the clouds and the sky. He zeroes in on a fig tree at one point. It's as if he's trying to bring his point into view by adjusting a camera lens so that we can see clearly what he's talking about. There's this thing in photography called aperture. It's the opening of a camera through which the light travels. And it limits the amount of light that can come in and reach the image so that, we can, so that the image does not become overexposed or oversaturated. So the lens narrows and widens as the light changes. So, we, so think about how your eyes work. As we move between bright and dark environments, the iris in our eyes expands or shrinks, controlling the size of our pupils. You know, we've all scrunched our eyes in front of a mirror to see what our pupils do. And our eyes do that to filter the light coming in. The bigger the aperture of a camera, the more the light can get in. But the interesting thing is that the aperture gets bigger in dark environments so that when it is darkest, the aperture is the widest to make way for the maximum amount of light to come in, eyes wide open. And in order to get the subject in view, we have to blur parts of the picture, like the background. Not everything in a photo can be the subject. So for example, if you're taking a group photo, and you have a really nice tree that you'd like to get in the frame, you have to choose what is the subject, the group or the tree. It can't be both. One will be clearer than the other. And Jesus in this text is looking at a very big picture, trying to pull things in focus for us to pay attention to so that we understand the subject. Do you see the signs of the moon? Do you see the roaring of the waves? Do you see the figs sprouting in late summer? Now do you see what I'm talking about? He asks. It's okay if you're still scratching your head. Advent is like the movement between darkness and light and the way the aperture has to move in and out. Our vision has to adjust as we move into this new year, pulling things in and out of focus in order to get the subject in view. The subject being, of course, Christ. We have to readjust from grown-up Jesus that we've been walking with all through ordinary time to infant Jesus, to a new beginning. 
Our way of seeing literally has to change in order to get a good picture of what Jesus coming into the world means. And our vision of the world has already changed in so many ways. You know, the pandemic is not going away anytime soon. And it has already caused all kinds of apocalypses, remembering that the word apocalypse means revelation. So that things have been revealed of which we had no idea or pretended could have remained hidden. Things have been seen that we wish we could unsee. Things have been realized about the church, about others, about ourselves, that have laid bare truths that we can now never forget. There's been too much roaring of seas, fear and foreboding, the shaking of every foundation. I mean, can we even handle the truth of Christmas this year? I feel like we're holding on for dear life. But maybe that's why we need the first Sunday of Advent, to let the waves wash over us to let the darkness roll us up like a little baby, to let the shaking jostle us into attention. Advent is about waiting, we know that. But this year it's also about watching. And this text from Luke begins our Advent journey by reminding us that the cosmic order is disrupted by the coming of Jesus. A chain of transformative events was launched at the announcement of the coming of the God incarnate. And its strangeness and peculiarity can only be proclaimed with frightening apocalyptic imagery. The mountains crash into the sea, the valleys rise up in the rumbling of the spheres, the sun and moon will send signs. I don't know how to make this any clearer, Jesus seems to be saying. Everything, everything will be different. Don't you see? And so we open our lens wide in the darkness to let light in. The paradox of light and darkness is not that, is that they aren't contrasts or equated with good and evil, but they're partners in the work of God's revelation. And what we see today in the zooming in and out of focus is the subject of Advent, the promise of Advent, of Emmanuel, God with us, that just as in the beginning, so it will be in the end, God with us. God is here, has been, and always will be. And the powers that appear to be in control are not the powers that control who we are and how we choose to be in the world. And this call to pay attention, to watch, is a call to bear witness because our witness matters to God's activity in the world. The power of the Son of Man, the truest human, some translations say. And as his mother will sing later on, the power of Christ will never be coercive or manipulative. It will seek out the lost and liberate the bound. It will regard the lowly and lift up the overlooked. It will believe in salvation for everyone. This is the hope for which we wait.
And so we echo Mother Mary's words to the announcement of Jesus' arrival. Let it be as you have said. May it be so. We see it. We are watching. We are expecting it to happen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Azel Christian Church podcast. Azel Christian Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through meaningful liturgy during worship, a public witness through outreach in the community, the nurturing of the spiritual life of every age group, and the witness of each member through discipleship, baptism, and the sharing of resources. To support this podcast and the ministries of Azel Christian Church, visit azelchristianchurch.org. Here you can contribute through giving online or find our Venmo information. If you're looking for a church or simply want to talk to one of our ministers, contact us through our website and we will be in touch. Talk to you soon.